0: And this podcast, it's all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I am so excited that you're here for today's episode because we have on the show Dr. Tracy. She is a clinical psychologist, a mom of two, a wife, the creator of Be Connected, and she has an epic podcast herself. It's called I'm Not Your Shrink. And what's so cool about Tracy is she's such a wealth of knowledge in a lot of different areas because she spent the last 15 plus years in practice working with individuals and with couples and training with renowned relationship experts. And in today's episode, we talk about it all. Of course, this is gonna be super juicy if you're wanting to build a deeper connection with your significant other, but anyone in your life that you're connected with, female friendships, coworkers, your parents, your family, it's just so juicy. And we dive into a lot of questions that. That so many of you have asked me on the text list or in my DMs about boundaries and alignment and navigating change and transitions and how it affects everybody around you. This is just such an action-packed episode. I cannot even wait to hear what you think. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Dr. Tracy, I am so excited to have you on the
1: show. Welcome. I'm so excited to sit with you and to have this conversation just as we jumped on before pressing record. You and I have already just felt so excited to dive into all the things
0: we're going to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about transitions in life and dynamic switches and relationships and boundaries and so many juicy things. But before we dig into that, I would love if you could kind of just set the stage here and let everybody know, like, what is the work that you do? How in the world did you even get into this field? And give us a little bit of your backstory.
1: Absolutely. I'm a couples therapist and psychologist, and I have been working with couples either through research early on or through clinical work for over 15 years. And I started adding onto my clinical work through reaching more people outside of my office. Gosh, back in 2018, 2019, when I started Mm -hmm. to write blog posts, this was after having my second child. So I have, that's the other big important role, but it's not my only role. I'm also a mother to two young children and I'm a business owner. But I remember in the depths of those early postpartum days being Dissatisfied with the discourse around how to create healthy relationships. A lot of pop culture advice were things like, you know, just share your feelings and. That's not enough to be able to make meaningful shifts. So I wanted to start reaching more people outside of my therapy room. And I started doing that by Mm -hmm. releasing my own podcast, by creating online webinars so that the tools and skills that I teach couples and individuals in my office are more accessible for people. Um, Webinars, my online program called Be Connected, where essentially you can learn all of those tools in the comfort of your own home because you can learn to improve your relationships and connections and set boundaries with the ones you love.
0: I love it. So important, the work that you're doing. So, okay, let's talk about kind of the season that made you want to even dive more into putting out more content in the world and recognizing that maybe people needed more support was that stage of early, like young kids, right? So there are a lot of women that are listening into the show that that's the journey that they're on right now. Maybe they are preparing for pregnancy or even last week on the podcast, I just announced that I'm pregnant and kind of moving into that season. There's a lot of women that are at that stage. So, What would you say to someone who is feeling maybe a little bit anxious about how the dynamics in their relationship might change as they're in that trying to get pregnant in that fertility journey or newly pregnant stage? What have you noticed with couples that you've worked with?
1: Yeah. So that first piece of what would I say to an individual entering into this? So thinking of the woman who's listening today, I want you to know that change is really hard and that we are going to enter in different seasons in our life. And that anxiety is a normal emotion and it prepares us for a change, right? It's going. Our brain wants to try to work out all of the configurations of what's going to happen. So when we take this internal stuff, one of the things that we start to trip up on in our relationship is, that we don't take the internal thoughts, feelings, desires, fears, wishes, needs. We don't take this internal stuff and share it with our partner. And so when you're entering into these hard seasons, whether it is having a child, shifting business structures. What's it going to look like if you're staying at home or going back to work? We want to make internal experiences explicit with the other person so that you can start taking expectations, needs, and have conversations with our partner. And oftentimes we enter into these seasons without actually preparing our relationship or ourselves for them. Yeah. So how do we even do that? Like from a tactical perspective? Yes. From a tactical perspective. I mean- The number one thing is if you are in a relationship, one of the most important things that you and your partner could be doing right now, even before entering into a big shift is creating some kind of weekly meeting and Mm. let's not, let's not formalize it and make it rigid and put it in a box and get out the spreadsheet and things like that. Right. But what it means is that at some point in the week, you and your partner are touching base on what's happening for you right now. And then that could be things like, what happened for you last week? How did you feel about the level of support I gave you? What's happening in the week coming? How did you feel about, or what, what can I do to support you through that time in this week coming up? It might also be around sharing pieces of gratitude and appreciation yeah. so that when we have, and, and again, this is just 10 minutes each week. You can sit down for 10 minutes and take turns asking each other these questions and also really listening to each other and what the other person has to say so that you have a space of sharing. Do you have a mm-hmm. weekly meeting with your partner? Um,
0: I actually do. We do morning and evening walks with our dog <laughs> right now. And that's where we're always like, okay, what's the game plan for the day? What 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 are you doing? What am I working on? And that's been yes. really, really helpful for us too. And for me, I've noticed that when I'm walking, like when I'm moving, it's easier than if I'm like sitting, feeling like mm. it's too structured. And um, that's been really helpful for sure.
1: I love that you've shared that. One of the important things to hear there is one, you have no distractions. So you don't have the temptation Mm. to pick up your phone and to look something up. Um, The other one though, is that sometimes if partners have a hard time sharing with each other, it can be really helpful to be side by side. So if it is sitting shoulder to shoulder, looking at a piece of paper, writing some things down, like dividing up tasks in the household, that's a great strategy. Or if it's you're out for a drive, you're out for a walk, or maybe you're washing dishes together. And the reason, I say that is because some people tap more into this avoidance space where mm-hmm. sharing feelings and needs is uncomfortable for them. Their nervous system starts to become activated and it doesn't really feel good for them and they might want to shut things down. So like you and I do, are doing right here, we're face to face. But right. for some people, it feels safer, more emotionally comfortable to do shoulder to shoulder.
0: I love that. And it, it is really just an easy thing to check in on, too, because, you know, another theme that I've noticed from women in this community that will be listening to this podcast is like the transition, like a lot of people are going through this transition of like becoming a mom in the community um, or having young kids. But there's also a lot of entrepreneurs that they're in different seasons right now Where, for example, there are women that are working full-time jobs and they're building businesses on the side and maybe their significant other um, has one job, right? And they have a corporate job. And there's become like some sort of dynamic shift where one partner, for example, we'll take the woman that is listening into this episode, that she's starting to feel almost like resentment towards her significant other because of how much work she's putting in or it's changing the dynamic Mm. shifts or it's changing the money shifts, I would love if you could just dig into like if you've worked with anyone around of course you have but um how like how to I'm kind of I'm nodding work through for people that, listening I'm commitment.
1: nodding <laughs> because this is this is yeah. so common right and again this is like a really big shift that shows up for people whether you are yeah. shifting up in your career or you're downshifting and taking a step back Um, And one of the things we want to remind ourselves in our relationships is that we have seasons. We all go through seasons in our relationship. And so I think we need to first accept that being in partnership with someone else is a space of flexibility Of growth and of grieving things that once were. So I often hear couples saying, you know, I just really miss how easy it felt when we first got together and we didn't have all these responsibilities. And yes, of course, because that's the limerence stage, that's the honeymoon stage where we're excited, where we're curious, where we hold lots of compassion and permission for our partners. And then over Mm -hmm. time, we lose that though. So then we start to become a little more rigid. We start to hold our own perceptions and assumptions about the other person. And then we stop communicating our needs. And so when it comes to that resentment piece, one of the top reasons why people feel resentful is because their needs are not being met. And Mm -hmm. there could be two things with that. One is I don't actually know what my needs are. And so I haven't communicated them or I haven't communicated them in a way that helps my partner understand what they are. And I could talk about a little bit more about what we tend to do as women when it comes to expressing our needs. But then the other piece is our partner is not meeting our needs. Mm -hmm. And then that leaves us to question, okay, so where do we go? What do we do next? How are we going to solve this problem? But yeah. if we don't address that resentment, that's a toxic emotion that erodes at the health of your relationship, mm-hmm. and it's one that we've got to address. But here's the thing: we don't address it by saying to our partners, "I resent you," you know, <laughs> yes. "You need to change." I resent you so much. You don't yeah, help that out feel enough. Like that's going to go well. <laughs> it doesn't go well, right? But instead, yeah. asking ourselves, and I view resentment similar to anger and frustration like the tip of an iceberg that we only see the tip that's the resentment mm-hmm. piece but if we were to go below the waterline there's this mass what is it underneath there is it yeah. fear anxiety is it jealousy you know sometimes so jealousy is that symbolization of an upcoming loss or potential loss right do am i losing something do i feel like there's a loss in our relationship in some way or a loss of a season that was easier for me is yeah. there even envy Envy that you have all this freedom to do whatever you want, and yet I feel like I don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, worry, anger, all of those emotions that are underneath. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the expressing the needs part because I actually do feel like that's probably a very common theme Mm. for women listening in right now is maybe they're getting frustrated at someone for not meeting their needs, although they aren't even sure what their needs are or they're not expressing them, right? So how do we do that? How do we figure that out? Like, give us the juice. (laughs)
1: Let's even break this down to a really simple experience. So if you were to tune inward to your body right now, check in with your throat. Do you feel thirsty? So those listening, just check in with yourself. Do you feel thirsty? Is your, is your throat dry? Check out your bladder. Do you feel like you need to use the washroom? When was the last time you went to the washroom? Check out your stomach. Is it hungry? Is it empty? Is it too full? And that can help you start listening to your body in terms of what your mm. needs are. So a lot of women join me and be connected. And we're talking about sharing needs with our partner and the best way to do that. And they say, I just never learned what my needs are because oftentimes many women are taught to, you know, the message, be a good girl. Silence mm-hmm. your needs. Don't be the squeaky wheel. Don't be angry. Angry doesn't look good on on a woman, right? on a girl. Don't be angry. And yeah. that all of these messages or the people pleasing message, right? The caregiver, you got to look after others. You have to be kind to others. We then lose the ability to listen inwards and to tune into what it is that we want and need. So if you're mm-hmm. someone who struggles with this, even just start small with moment to moment of asking yourself, Do I need to use the washroom? Yeah, actually I do. I'm going to go. Or I'm hungry. I'm going to grab something to eat. But then when it comes to the bigger piece, so now let's talk about more of the emotional needs. We all have... Core basic needs in our relationships, and we can talk about it using words like attachment needs, um, emotional needs, but things like to feel a sense of security with our partner, to feel a sense of being safe, not just physically Mm -hmm. safe, but emotionally safe, where if I tell you something, I know you're not going to throw it back at me. Um, we also need to feel soothed and connected to our partners. And then also that sense of someone else is going to be vulnerable with us, right? That's love and belonging. We have these basic needs. And so what we often do in relationship is we'll say things, are, we'll express our needs in the negative.
0: Mm. I
1: don't want you to do that. Don't touch me like that, which of course, consent and our body rights is important, yeah. but it sounds much different when you say, I love when you massage my arms instead of massaging my feet. That directs your partner for what you want, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We often communicate our needs in vague ways. So we'll say things like, I'm so overwhelmed. I need you to help there's nothing wrong with that expression. I'm overwhelmed, which is going inwards and expressing my feeling and I'm connecting it to what I need. But if I'm a fly on the wall, I have no idea what help looks like. And so we want to get really clear. I need to offload all of the meal prep tasks and you take that because that's going to help me with my overwhelm. Mm. So we, we tend not to express them. So we shove them down, bottle them up only to explode later. We tend to express vague or we express them in the negative.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's really powerful to even think of just how often it can be that you're projecting like what you're feeling inwardly in this, you do this wrong or I'm like not a helpful way. And when we think about how often like those interpersonal relationships, especially with a significant other, sometimes the things that we'll say to someone like that, that we would never say to someone else. And it's just because we think that they're always going to be there or something. Right. And I'm,
1: yeah. And go let's ahead. even just acknowledge that for a moment is that yeah. it's like the two edges of a sword, right? On one hand, we get this, um, they talk about it for kids when they come home after school or after daycare, it's the restraint collapse. So you come home and you feel so safe at home and then you just let all your messy stuff out, right? <laughs> so like as adults, we do this too. We, we're put on our best selves. We've got our suits on. We go to work and then we're all proper and kind and okay, you're crossing my boundaries, but you're my boss. I have to listen. Okay, yeah, well, yep. Yeah. And then you go home and you're like, oh, let me just have this all out. I want to be messy and grumpy and I want to slam the cupboard however I want to, right? Yeah. So on one hand, it signifies a sense of attachment, bonding, and security and safety in the sense of the home. However, and circling back to that team meeting, this is the most important team that you are running. And that especially once we bring in a child, this is the team you've got to nurture. You Mm -hmm. need to tap back into all of those elements of respect, of kindness, of caring for our partners. And often that is something that we just completely lose as a baseline in the later years of our relationship
0: mhm i mean it's the phrase that i feel like a lot of people say what whatever time frame it is in their relationship where like we've become roommates right i'm sure uh-huh. you hear that all of the time I hear it all the time if someone comes to you and says you know they're like they're wanting to work with you and they're like my significant other and i now feel like roommates where do you even start with them if they're feeling that type of just like, we're going through the motions, like, you know, and maybe they're not even spending any time together, especially like throwing
1: kids into the mix, like young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What does that look like? Okay. So that going into the roommate space tells me that you've lost the deeper emotional, physical intertwinings that we, we have in romantic relationships. Yeah. And I think our mind... Trips us up a lot in this space where it says, like, well, we're not having the weekend getaway. We're no longer having the vacation away to, we don't get the date night where we're sharing the bottle of whatever. And right. So we go (laughs) to these really big things and we say, well, if we can't do that, we do the all or nothing. If we can't do that, Mm. then we don't do anything at all. And then we sit down on the couch and we numb out on our phones and the television and whatever. So I think what's really important for us is to find ways to. Um, I always use the analogy of a tree growing together. You each are two different trees and your tree branches are are needing to grow together. And those are your conscious choices that you make each day. It Mm -hmm. is these small moments where you have something happening inside of you. And rather than keeping it to yourself, you turn to your partner and say, You know, I thought about that time, that one time where we were intimate and we had this crazy time in the car, whatever it could be, right? (laughs) But you share that stuff, that exciting stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. It could also be the loss of physical touch. The reality is that parents become touched out and overwhelmed at the end of the day of holding a newborn all day long, right? There is a dependent on you needing you to care for them and what that suggests. So for tackling the roommate piece, one, we need to make sure we're looking after ourselves. And this is a classic statement that everybody says, but it is incredibly true. You can't pour from an empty cup and your children are going to take from your cup. And if you then expect yourself to turn to your partner and to pour into their cup, you have nothing left. So I always advocate for women and for moms to, find small things for themselves every single day. And that that doesn't have to be something big and grand and hours at the spa, but it's got to be the like, I am worth it to take this time for myself because A, it's going to help me with my resentment. B, it's going to recharge me and give me energy to give back to my partnership. So that's one piece. Yeah. But then the second piece is So then we're dealing with our overwhelm, our sense of feeling touched out by taking time for ourselves, then turn to your partner and put in those small, feel-good ways of connection. So some people, it might be that 10 minutes connecting on the couch. You might really like the experiential intimacy, which is doing things together. Uh, You might decide to learn a new game together. You might decide to try a new recipe after baby goes to bed. Um, Mm. Or the other thing, and again this is how small it is, a 30 second hug or a six second kiss. So for people listening today, I'm going to challenge you to go and do one of those things today at the end of the day with your partner, if you're in partnership. And the reason why it's 30 seconds of hugging is because it releases the cuddle hormone, oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And oxytocin is the bonding hormone that mom releases when she's feeding baby and they bond, right? Yeah. This also is released between partners and all it takes is 30 seconds of hugging, six seconds kissing.
0: Girl, I got to make sure that you know about Empower Her Live. This is our massive annual event for this podcast community. It's happening here in Denver, Colorado, September 22nd through the 24th. And I want you to just picture this. Hundreds of women that listen into this podcast coming together in person, connecting and just getting lit up, having so much freaking fun and really just getting to step into three days of immersing themselves in personal growth. And what's so cool about this event is last year we had 500 women and epic keynote speakers like Trent Shelton, Amber Lillystrom, Chris and Lori Harder, Tracy O'Malley, Aisha, Angie Lee. We even surprised the women that were there with a keynote from It Cosmetics founder, Jamie Kern. Lima. And oh my gosh, it was so incredible. But that was our first event. Now that we've got our first event under our belt, we can do it even better. We've got another epic lineup that we're going to be releasing soon. But more importantly, we're making this even more high vibe, even more connection opportunities for you and the hundreds of women that are going to be in that room. This is going to be such an incredible experience. So mark your calendar, September 22nd through the 24th, like I mentioned, in Denver, Colorado. Tickets will go on sale on May 1st. We're going to have a flash sale, which is preparing you right now. I want you to tell you, mark that calendar for May 1st because tickets are going to be the lowest price they will ever be on May 1st. There is just so much power in getting in the room and being in person. This is why we literally changed the entire brand of Empower Her to focus on in person events and retreats because. It's just so powerful. So I cannot even wait to see you there to join the waitlist to make sure you are the first to know right when tickets drop. I want you to text the word waitlist to 512-548-2728. Again, text the word waitlist to 512-548-2728 so you're ready to rock when tickets go on sale May 1st. I can't wait to see you. Count down the days. Now, without further ado, let's dive back into the show. Wow. It's so interesting because my husband, I often tell him, I'm like, just like give me a hug right now. Like I'm a physical touch person too. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like, just hug me. I don't need you to fix it. I just need to vent about it and cry and then just hug me. And I've noticed that more, especially with like pregnancy hormones like raging through my body. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense, but just hug me and I'm good. And I think often we write that off as not being important, but it's
1: huge. Totally, totally. And and so, okay, so let's think about our biological needs, which is to be held close, comfort, and sooth. It's why yeah. when babies are born, we don't hold them out, right? We we hold them close. When they're right. upset to help them regulate, we hold them close. We say shh, shh, shh right, we wrap them snugly in a blanket. Because this is a need that we all have. And at our core, we need to feel that physical connection with other people. Now, of course, you know I always say there's a caveat to that because depending on your history, if physical touch became violent, abusive in some way, it doesn't feel good. But it is about finding ways that are going to feel good for you and your partner. Yeah.
0: So, okay, let's talk about this concept. I know I'm like all over the place, but I just feel like there's so many things that you can share that will be so helpful for the women listening. So. Let's talk about the concept of mental load in general for anyone that follows anyone that's in the psychology space. Like you hear that topic a lot. Can you kind of break that down? What that is, how we work through that and yeah, just kind of where to start.
1: One of my favorite topics and yeah. it's a myth for us to even talk about relationships and to not bring in the mental load. Uh, the mental load is the cognitive labor that is involved in all of the tasks that we have to run something, whether it's Mm -hmm. what you're doing on a team or what you're doing to run a household, or it could also be involved in your running your relationship and the emotional space within your relationship. So we can also use interchangeable words like the second shift, the invisible labor. And these are things that it's not just about going to buy the toilet paper because you're low on toilet paper. It's about knowing the family's favorite brand of toilet paper, knowing what toilet paper might clog the toilet. And so you have to buy this one and not that one. And then mm-hmm. also, know, right? So you're carrying all of these mental items on your yeah. brain that oftentimes what we know tends to land on women. And that research shows that women on average with children are working 100 hours a week compared to wow, which is astronomical. And so the tricky piece is that the higher the mental load on one partner, which tends to be the woman, in a heterosexual relationship, the higher that mental load, then the more distress the couple could experience, the more resentment that's going to be in between them, and the more unfair things start to feel between them. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Do you feel like there's been something helpful from a tactical perspective when, when say a woman, we'll take a heterosexual relationship, comes to you and is like, Tr- like Dr. Tracy, I need to like figure out how to manage this overwhelm. Like you know, like a woman that's hanging on by a thread. Maybe someone listening to this right now that is that is working 100 hours a week. She's got two kids and she's got a job and she's building a business and she just feels like I'm like at my wit's end. I'm barely even fitting in this podcast to listen mm. to. Mm -hmm. Where does she even start to take like inventory of what she can take off of her
1: mental plate? Yeah, absolutely. So I always recommend the resource from Eve Rotsky and that's her book, Fair Play. She also created a card deck that couples can do together. If you're not there, if that feels like one more load, let's talk about some specific things that you can do. So we need to practice making the invisible visible. What are all of the tasks that you're doing in a day to run wow. the household? What are all of the tasks that are involved in order to feed and nurture your baby? Um, and so then we want to start talking about these invisible items with our partners. And we can do that in casual ways. It doesn't have to be a critical or a contemptuous way of like, you don't even get it. You don't see all that I do. It's more of a conversation. Again, that shoulder-to-shoulder conversation where we're going to look at all that it takes to run this household. And can I swear? Of course. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> so so it, it, it's not the shit I do list, right? Yeah. It is the like, what are we all needing in this family? Yeah so that we can run. And, and Eve Rotsky talks about this in her book. So she, she had created this list and was just shocked at all of the shit that she does, which we, we all do. It's all in there. Um, and you know, it's funny, my husband and I would talk about this all the time. It's even the element of when he comes to me and he says, do you want to go on a date night? And that's even the, like, he's putting the decision on me Mm. to make a date night. And, and then where do you want to go?
0: Where do you want to go? go.
1: <laughs> right. And the pieces that he doesn't see is that then I'm thinking about okay, if today is Thursday and I have to contact the sitter, I'm going to text her today. She's a teenager. She usually takes two days to respond to me, so that's not <laughs> going to be until Saturday. So, can we plan our date for Saturday? Probably not. And and then okay, that babysitter is booked. So then I need to reach out to my ten girlfriends and ask <laughs> them for their names and rec- right. So it's like it's right. not just a like let's have a date night. It is all of the steps that go with that. And one of the biggest objections I hear when it comes to addressing the mental load, and of course, let's recognize all of the women who are listening here today, is that it it is often us showing up to the table to this conversation first, Mm -hmm. which then the common objection I hear is, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be the one to change? Why do I have to be the one to research and initiate and talk about it? And I'm going to hold space for the both end, which is, yes, I see you. I see how much work you do. I see how much you manage in your household. I see that this is totally and completely unfair. And, both and, you also have choices. And Mm -hmm. you happen to be here today. You're listening to this podcast. You're learning about this piece. And you get to be the one to start making a change in what's happening in your relationship. So I think it's really important to hold both of those experiences that we can then approach our partners and say, wow, you know, Stuff is hard and God. this isn't feeling good for me. And the other piece, there's someone recent, one of my editors was reading my book, um, just working through my book. It's coming out in September. It's called, I Didn't Sign Up For This. And so essentially the book title is because of the number of couples and women that were showing up in my office saying, this isn't the relationship I signed up for. I didn't wow. sign up for this. And, and also truthfully, myself crying in the shower after the birth of my second saying, I didn't sign up for this because I felt so much resentment towards my husband and I was collapsing under the weight of the mental load and what it meant to manage all of the things. And so I think what's really important for us is to acknowledge that we have agency to then go to our partner and say, let's renegotiate these things. Let's talk about this and show up differently and let me circle back to the piece that I was getting to here is that my my editor had shared this kind of aha moment with someone she's talking to where I had connected the mental load piece to intimacy that many times one partner or the other will say, we don't have enough sex. Why aren't we having sex? And it's important for us to understand that sex for women is cyclical and that A positive sexual experience followed by emotional closeness, physical closeness, and a fair distribution of the mental load is going to lead to an increased likelihood that you will want to enter into the next sexual experience with your partner. They're all connected together. Wow. That is so powerful. And I think it's really important for –
0: women listening. And what I really resonated with that you just said is like, you know, the whole goal is that you're on a team with this person, right? And as if you choose, you're bringing Mm -hmm. kids into this relationship as well, which a lot of women listening in are choosing to do that as well. That it's like, if you are the one listening into this podcast and you're recognizing that this is an issue, instead of getting caught up on the fact that like, geez, why do I have to bring this up? It's like, for your team, you found out this information. So now let's figure out how to offload some of this. And it, it made me think too of how like Steve Jobs, you heard how he would always wear like a black like turtleneck or whatever to, just to take out the decisions. And I think of that often where I'm like, I just have decision fatigue sometimes now just as an entrepreneur, not as a parent, just as an entrepreneur. So it's like, how can you take some of these decisions off of your plate too and mm-hmm. get someone else looped in? Because I mean, from your experience, A lot of times women tell me, you know, that they struggle asking for help and maybe it's part of it is this narrative in society of like this, like super woman, like I can do it all. And that to me, I do not want to subscribe to that narrative. But, you know, it's so often that if you ask for help, there are people that are willing and truly excited to help you. You just have to ask sometimes. Like, do you see that Mm -hmm. come up often in relationships where the, say, for example, the wife is coming to you like, my husband doesn't help me, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, well, have you even asked? And then they're like, happy to do it.
1: Does that happen often? Yes, and. So I'm going to add more to that. So yes, and. Sometimes we don't ask for help. And so we carry this load on our own. And that is one of those things that work against us. Um, It's a belief that works against us in the sense that I hear from so many women, my partner should just know. They should just know that this Mm. needs to be done. And yet we need to understand the context of each person and what they've grown up in. And so no, they might not know that all of these steps are involved in ensuring that we have ketchup for our two-year-old's chicken nuggets on (laughs) Thursday night, right? Yeah. I will never forget the night my partner forgot ketchup for our family Um, (laughs) (laughs) because I was asking for help. And he didn't truly own the task. He didn't own the task of what all of the food items were. And so Mm. asking for help is one approach. And for many people, that works. However, that still puts me in the driving seat that I'm the one that has to be the one to make the list. Yeah. Rather than, okay, so we don't want to formalize this. We're going to try to just start doing one thing today. Sit down with your partner before the end of the weekend. Talk about all of the things that need to happen in the next week. And give something to your partner from beginning to end. So is yeah. it meal planning that week? Great. What do we have in the fridge? What things do we need? What are things that I like and you like and are going to feel good for our dietary needs? What? When will you go grocery shopping? Yeah. Did you create the food plan? Right? Like all of those tasks in there versus the just tell me what to do and I'll help. That mm. doesn't necessarily solve the solution. So we really want to onboard our partners and get them involved to be active participants with managing all of this. So helpful! Oh, I love that perspective. Okay, so what I'm,
0: I know, I'm really jumping all over the place, but this is another. I love it. We're, we're doing it. We're, we're, <laughs> we're just, like we're
1: just jamming uh, here. All, all of these are like deep dives into our relationships, <laughs> and I love all of your questions.
0: So let's talk about the defensiveness piece, right? Mm. So when you're working with couples and you see one partner is super, super defensive. As someone who's done a ton of work around this, what do you, like, what's the first step that you have someone take when they're recognizing how triggered they are by a certain topic or conversation, whether it's finances or the kids or it's relationship dynamics in some capacity? Where do we start when we feel triggered? Because I've noticed that some women in my community have reached out to me saying like, when my significant other does X, I get so frustrated. And sometimes we get more frustrated than what the actual issue is since obviously the root is deeper. So where do we start to kind of take like note of when that comes up for us and how to do more work on it?
1: Mm. Hmm. Okay. So actually, I brought Greg in, my husband, on my podcast this week. And we yeah. talked about the difference between a defensiveness and assertiveness. So if you are looking for a deeper dive on this conversation, join us over there. Um, gosh, you know, there's so much power in just being able to pause and to mm. take a step back and to be really curious about our own reactions. I think we move so quickly day to day, especially in our hustle culture and the narratives that women need to be super women, that we move so quickly that we are then not even tuning into what's happening inside of us. And of course, defensiveness shows up because we are trying to protect ourselves from Mm -hmm. maybe an attack or from maybe a perceived attack. That's what defensiveness is about. Yeah. And if we can get curious with ourselves and say, huh, isn't that interesting? I felt myself really want to snap back there. What was that about? What's happening for me right now? What's happening for me in my body? Um, What's happening for me in the greater context? And what what did I hear from the other person? So Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting in the defensive person's seat, one of the things that can be really helpful to buy yourself more time is to say something like, thank you for sharing that with me. It's something I'd like to think more about right? It's just like, give yourself time to hear the other person. It could also be something like, wow, I'm noticing I'm having this reaction to what you're saying and I want us to be able to talk more about it, but I think I need a bit of time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Or you might say something like, can you try saying that again to me? I, I don't quite understand what you're saying and I'm feeling a bit attacked.
0: Yeah. I love the tone of like curiosity And I think it helps too with the judgment, like since we're so often really critical of ourselves, like Mm. why did I react that way? Like, or beating ourselves up or feeling, you know, really defensive that it's like, if you can take this curiosity approach, then it's almost like taking a bird's eye view on like, that's so interesting. Or I've noticed I've said to myself like, oh, that's cute that you reacted that way, that that didn't work for you. But like, wonder where that came from. And it's like more of like a for me, the internal dialogue, when it's more playful, then I mm-hmm. could actually get to the root without being like, Keisha, why did you do X, Y, Z, right? So that's, Ooh, that's really I helpful. love that
1: you said that because when you just said that, why did you do X, Y, Z, it almost blends into a feeling of shame. Mm. And for many people, we get defensive because deep down underneath, we're covering up shame.
0: Interesting
1: covering up feelings of inadequacy or like you're failing or like you're not enough or you're not worthy or gosh, you can never get it right. Right? So that defensiveness there is protecting some of that core vulnerability inside of you Mm -hmm. rather than actually coming from this place of I'm good. I'm good enough. I'm okay. I'm a human. I'm allowed to make mistakes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's happening here and what's my next step forward? Yeah.
0: I like the progression of what you just said too, because I'm curious your take on this is like sometimes in, for example, like the affirmation world, right? Where maybe you, we'll take business owner. We'll take out like the relationship dynamics as parents. Say you're a business owner and you feel like you are just like sucking at building your business right now. You're like, this is just hard and like nothing's going my way. And the first thought that you have is, I'm really horrible at this. Maybe I should just throw in the towel. And it sometimes feels like there's a big gap if you try and buy into this affirmation of like, I'm unstoppable. I can do anything because you as the person thinking the thoughts don't actually believe that that's true. So have you found it to be helpful for people to kind of step forward with those smaller progressions like you just mentioned? Like, I'm good. I'm trying hard. Like that type of thing. Does that language work better?
1: Yeah. I I mean, so one of the therapy interventions that we can talk about is called, um, I mean, affirmations, mantras, or even radical statements of acceptance. Radical statements of acceptance sounds like something so far that it's even hard to believe, but the idea is that it snaps you out of what it is that's happening for you, right? Mm, okay. That's one approach. And again, this is always an individual approach and the response really is, it depends. It depends on who you are. It depends yeah. on what you're struggling with or what's showing up for you. So let, okay, let's go with that thought. I should just throw in the towel. So in some ways- Shame can be helpful in a sense where if it's a healthy level of shame. So it's not going to stop you. It's not going to put you on the couch for days on end. It's not going to derail you. And you can sit back and ask yourself, what am I missing? okay, so let's actually evaluate this business because we can't walk around saying, I'm great, I'm good, everyone should want my stuff, right? Like when it comes to a (laughs) business, we have to look at where are we missing it with our clients, with our, you know, with the people that we want to reach? What's happening here? Because if we, and that's the thing, right? If we only do internalizations and getting swallowed into shame, that doesn't work. If we only do externalizations of like, what's wrong with everyone? They don't understand how great my business is, right? That's not going to work either for your business. So (laughs) on one level, getting curious about what is my strategy here and how are these things working with me? So that's one piece. But then I think the other piece that comes in here is a lot of compassion for ourselves. And whenever I talk about compassion, people are often like, "Mm, you want me to be kind to myself? I don't think that's really going to work. And what's important though, is that, I mean, first acknowledging that criticism is not working for you. It holds you back even more. But if we show up to ourselves the same way that we would with a dear friend by saying, this is really hard. You are not alone in this struggle. Others struggle with this too. And this is a point where you are struggling. That compassion can sometimes lead us then to the next step. And then perhaps you find something that inches you a little bit closer, which Mm is I'm learning to trust myself. So instead of that like full swing, you know, gas pedal to the floor saying, I love myself and I have the best business ever and I'm going to make a million dollars this year, right? We -hmm. start a little bit smaller, which says, I'm learning to be kind to myself. I'm learning to be gentle. I'm going to reach this one goal. I'm going to start, right? So we're inching forward. I love that. And it feels so doable too Mm -hmm. because for someone that, you know, like for
0: sake of kind of using this analogy of like, you know, gas pedal to the floor, it's like right now if they're saying a lot of really negative things to themselves, it's like they're going in reverse Mm -hmm. and it feels like such a jolt to your system to go in full speed reverse to full speed ahead. So it's like that compassionate, like stepping, moving forward. Love that. Okay. I have to ask you about boundaries in general Mm. because – you know, like I mentioned, even at the beginning of this episode, there are a lot of women that are in these transition seasons. A lot of it is having to do with different ages of kids or new seasons or business, or even like stepping up in their career, like really ambitious, like growth-minded women that listen into the show. And with that, sometimes it's a significant other that maybe doesn't understand, um, or they don't know how to set boundaries, or it's a family member, or it's friends that don't understand what they're navigating. How have you helped you know, clients that you've worked with get better at setting boundaries? Like what are some like little little tangible nuggets that we could take from?
1: I think we need to start with trusting ourselves first. And I know Mm. that's like such a a big statement, but this idea that oftentimes we look outwards for people to approve of what we're expressing and sharing instead of going inwards and saying, I'm doing something that's really meaningful to me that I don't need other people to approve of what I'm doing or to even validate and cheer me on. But this is something for me, and this feels good for me, and I believe in this, right? So that is in some ways this self-boundary where we say – I am not going to go into this over justification period process. I'm not going to over explain myself to someone who says, why are you even doing this? Right? So it's in some ways it's like finding that line of where I'm going to be able to control. And when I talk about control, I talk about looking inwards at what you have control over versus outwards trying to control other people. One of the right. biggest hangups we have is that people will say they don't respect my boundary. They're mm-hmm. not holding my boundary. And the reality is that the boundary is yours to hold. And so not only do we need to communicate something with other people and to let them know where our wants and not wants are, right? That's what a boundary is. It's what we need right. and want and what we don't need and what we don't want. And not only do we need to communicate it, but we also have to put that into action so that when mom, let's let's say mom comes around and she's like, what are you doing with this business? Why aren't you working nine to five? What about have you ta- have you thought about your pension? What are you going to do then? Right? Yeah. So oftentimes people will say, "I told mom I don't want to talk about this," and here she is bringing it up again. And then I'll ask, "And what did you do next?" I started to tell her all the reasons why I'm in this business. Mm-hmm. And did that work? No. Okay. Because you didn't hold your boundary. You started to go into over-justifying, over-explaining, and convincing. Mm. You're trying to convince her. But what you did, if we step out of that interaction, what you did in that moment is you implicitly said to mom, even though I've said to you, I don't want to talk about my business, I implicitly said, it's okay that you asked because I decided to talk about it with you. So true. Wow. And then the next piece, though, is that then clients will often say, okay, well... I'm just not going to see mom. Forget it. I'm going to take space. I don't want to see her. And I'll often ask people, so how is that aligned with your values? You've told me before that your relationship with family is really important. How does that feel for you? Okay. Well, in the short term it works, but in the long term it doesn't. So then instead it's like coming back to trusting yourself and communicating in a loving way and letting other people know what's going to happen. Mom, I know you love... I know you deeply care about me and my financial standing. I want you to know I'm not willing to talk about my business right now. And when she tries to push further, you broken record the boundary. I'm not willing to talk about this right now. Mm -hmm. Mom, it's not something that I want to talk to you about, right? Yeah.
0: It's... It's so powerful if we actually stick to that, right? It's so easy (laughs) to do the other thing, right? It's so easy to over-rationalize or even get defensive, like we were talking about earlier, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to prove to you, like, I want to get you over to my side so you can understand it. But I think it's so powerful the way that you talk about that because so often we're getting frustrated with people by overstepping boundaries that either they don't know exist or we're reinforcing, to your point, like that they can keep doing this even though we've said you know, that this is not acceptable to us anymore. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question to kind of tie this up in a bow, you know, because there are so many women going through different transitions that are listening into this podcast, often one of the, you know, emotions that comes up is that anxiety of how am I going to handle this? Whether it is, Having their first kid or starting their first business, or maybe their business is growing to the next level, or they just got a promotion or moving from one kid to two kids, or what, you know, or maybe even honestly being in a stage in their relationship where things are so good, better than they've ever been before. And they've never even been in that season. What advice would you give to someone from an emotional perspective or even tactical of like how to prepare themselves and even kind of lean into this like unknown of what's coming next if they're feeling a little bit anxious about it?
1: Um, oh, I'm going to say what one of my colleagues once said. She said, anxiety's priorities are not your priorities. And mm-hmm. so acknowledging that anxiety shows up in a way to protect us and that it serves yeah. a role. And sometimes we need to give space to that. And other times we need to be able to say, this isn't helping me right now. And learning yeah. to sit in uncertainty And learning to not be able to control all of the things and to ride through that so that when anxiety shows up, it's in some ways, I like to use the analogy of riding a wave. So are we going to ride this urge? of anxiety that says I'm going to research all the things and then I'm going to go and check all the things over with my partner and then I'm going to go and double check with my mom to make sure she approves too and (laughs) okay oh look at that urge showing up like this is anxiety I know I'm familiar with anxiety and I often like to say invite anxiety in we don't get to control our emotions and thoughts we do get to choose what we do when they show up So invite anxiety in. Say, hello, anxiety. I'm so glad you're here. Would you like a cup of tea? Mm, You're not going to stay around, though, okay? So once you're done your tea, (laughs) you can eat at the back door and we'll call it a day, right? And so in some ways, like like as you're laughing, when we can be playful with our thoughts and feelings, we can do this what acceptance and commitment therapy calls diffusion. So instead of being Mm -hmm. fused and attached and buying into our narratives, we create space, Mm -hmm. separation. And that pausing in there allows us to acknowledge and then ask ourselves, what do we want to do next? And likely it's not us needing to spiral in the anxiety. It is you getting really present. It's you choosing what's meaningful to you and then trusting that you have those tools to do that
0: so beautiful. Even the word choice, right? Like when you're like diffusing and like rigid, like you can feel in your body just like like rigid versus space and flowing and like it just feels so different. So thank you so much, Dr. Tracy. You are absolutely incredible. So please tell everyone your podcast name, where they can find you, connect with you. Your content is incredible. Everybody needs to connect with you on social media for sure. And then tell them about your book coming out in the fall. Like give us everything.
1: Thank you. Uh, The best way to find me is I'm on social, Dr. Tracy D. That is... after you listen today, please come and send me a DM. It is something that is deeply meaningful to me to know what stood out for you from today's session, episode, session. <laughs> <And then laughs> it felt like a session. I loved it. <laughs> it, it I love it. I call, I call my podcast sessions. And to check yeah. out my podcast, head over to my website. I have lots of free resources there. So if you're curious about the negative cycle that you and your partner get stuck in, we all have a cycle, that one that repeats over and over again. I have a free quiz on my website for you. I have a masterclass that's also free for you to talk about how to really do a good repair after a fight. Um, My podcast is called I'm Not Your Shrink. So you can find that on my website as well. My book, it's called, I didn't sign up for this, stories of unlocking old wounds and finding joy in your relationship. So I'm sharing four different cases. Actually, I'm sharing five, but the fifth one is my marriage. And as a therapist, opening up what it means to be a couples therapist And also what it means to be in relationship with someone and that I am so human and relationships are so hard. And so if you've ever wondered what it looks like inside of a couples therapy session, what couples fight about, what does a therapist look like in the couples therapy role, and also what happens inside of a couples therapist marriage, that's my book.
0: I am so excited for that. And we actually had Lori Gottlieb on the show previously. She wrote, you know, um, maybe you should talk Mm -hmm. to someone. And I loved the like getting to see different people's stories, but also using yourself as one of the stories and then digging into the relationship dynamics. This book is going to be a game changer. But in the meantime, obviously, people listening into this podcast, they need other podcasts. So go check out I'm Not Your Shrink. And thank you again so much. I, I also really just want to emphasize, please go follow her on social media because the content that you put out is so helpful. Like I've like binged through all your reels and stuff. I'm like, this is so good. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show truly to talk about this, but also to introduce my community to all of the work that you're putting out into the world. So thank you again so much for being here. Appreciate you. Thank you,